Hello, and welcome to Biohacking with Brittany. I am thrilled that you are listening to this episode today, and I'm happy just to be doing this, to be honest. This is a place where I talk about health and wellness and fitness and all sorts of things under those umbrellas. And I do interviews with guests, and I also do question and answers, and I do solo episodes, and I kind of have a variety. It really does change, but I aim to produce episodes and put them out every Tuesday and Friday. So if you want to subscribe, rate the show, leave a review, do all those good things, that would be awesome. Today is a question and answer episode. I'm going to be doing quite a few of these this month. I am taking a break from interviewing guests right now because I am focused on developing my first course. And if you have ever developed a course online, you know that it is such a big undertaking and the amount of deep work that is needed for it is substantial. So that's where a lot of my effort is going and I'm hoping to release it as soon as possible, probably in the next few weeks, hopefully, at least to everybody on the wait list and not publicly. So this is my Baby Steps Preconception Health course, How to Optimize Your Health Before Getting Pregnant for You and Your Partner. So everything in there is all about like optimizing egg quality, sperm count, quality, all of those things, balancing your hormones and really getting you and the person that you're with, or I mean, there's so many different ways now, but you and someone else, if there is someone else, to be as healthy as possible. And how do we do that? And what can we do? And how do we cleanse? And how do we detox the body? And it was, yeah, it's like something that I am actually doing again right now is my 90-day cleanse, which I'm really happy about. It's called Baby Steps. And I'm going to talk about it a bit later because one of the, there's a question about it. But yeah, if you want to gra- grab the waitlist, get on the waitlist, go for it. Everyone on the waitlist gets $100 off the course. And that is the most that will be available off. And you can do that. And you will get first access to it as well. So when it launches at the beginning of March or the end of February in a few weeks here, you will get an email from me and I will email you personally and we can set you up in the course and see what you think. So that is kind of what I'm deep into right now. And I'm really excited about and happy that that's where my focus is. It's kind of like what happens when you run your own business is everything kind of ebbs and flows. And sometimes you do a lot of interviews. Sometimes you create a lot of content and then sometimes you just need to do deep work to create an actual digital product itself. And that's where I'm at. Mind you, if you look at my calendar for March, I think I have like an interview every single day (laughs) and I only do one interview a day. I do not do more than that because it is such a labor of love. Energetically, honestly, that's like, that's the biggest part. It's not that it's super, super time consuming. It's just the energetics behind it is something that I can't I can't really show up as good as I would like to or be 100% on it if I'm doing more than one a day. Maybe if I did two, but again, I don't want to be stressing myself out or anything like that. So I just do one a day right now. 
So for today's episode, we are diving into a bunch of questions that you have sent me. Some of you send me questions now through my contact form on my website. That's totally fine. I might create like a place where you can submit questions because I've seen other people do that. So maybe that's something that's like easier for you. I will think about that and think about incorporating that. And a lot of you send me messages on Instagram about, you know, questions. So that's great as well. So I'm like totally open to how you want to do it. I don't really care. Send me your health questions and I'm here to help you. Okay. Before we dive in, a shout out to Leela Quantum Tech. And I am going to be actually talking about them later on. They create EMF blocking products for your home, for your traveling, for your car. So essentially what it is, is they talk about quantum energy and the products they create have a certain quantum energy frequency with them. And this helps to neutralize any of the EMF that is surrounding them. So I find this very fascinating and I have this in my own home. I am very interested in this idea of neutralizing harmful frequencies around me and doing what I can. Now, they have a ton of research behind their products. They are growing like crazy. They are a European company. I've known about them for a few years. And I'm just really excited to see them blowing up in Canada and in the States now, most uh, more recently. So if you're somebody who cares a lot about EMF or you're thinking about it and it's on your radar lately, I would really look into this. I find that their products kind of give me a peace of mind that I don't necessarily have with other products. So I have their infinity block in my bedroom right beside my bed. I have one in my office and then I have their heel capsules, which I travel with on airplanes or wherever I'm going or in the car, anything like that. I think there's something to be said about frequency and EMF. I don't think we know everything. I think the technological boom that we've seen in the last 20 years is substantial and is exponential. So that means that it's not going to grow at the same rate year after year when something is exponential, right? It kind of doubles instead. So that's why there's just such a tech boom since basically the 90s or even longer than that. And I, I think as this continues, I and most biohackers that I know become very are becoming very aware of how this impacts our health. And so now we're seeing all of these products come out and these solutions to mitigate how much technology is embedded in our society. And I think this makes sense because as much as we would all love to live off grid and have our own farms and chickens and raise kids and like, you know, do that whole thing. It's not realistic for so many of us. So we kind of need these strategies to come in and support us in modern society. So I'm kind of here for it. I get it. I think it's smart. I think that's only growing and I love what they are doing. Okay. I will link that in the show notes and on my website. If you want to check out Leela, Leela Quantum Tech, you can use my discount code. I think there's a discount code. Or just use my affiliate link and you will get a discount through that link. Okay, let's dive into today's episode. Okay, question number one. So this person is a, I'll keep them anonymous. They say that the question is, I'm a passionate runner and I'm always looking for ways to enhance my running and my performance. Can you share any any? unconventional biohacks or tips for optimizing running. 
Sweet. I love this question. I used to be a runner as well, actually, and was really into it in, gosh, like when I was a kid and then in high school. And then I used to do a lot of running at the gym when I was in university and just love the feeling of running, love the endorphins. My dad's a runner, everything like that. And I kind of stopped, honestly, I kind of stopped when I got more into biohacking and holistic health because I kind of realized it wasn't necessarily the best for my health, for my body. And so now when I do run, it's different than how I was running back in those years. But I do definitely have friends who are runners who will do marathons, half marathons, everything like that. So there are some things that you can do to biohack your running. And there definitely are some experts in the space. Like with most of these questions, I am not an expert. This is just kind of like what my research has pulled up. So there's a couple things that I kind of first came to mind when I saw this question. So one thing that you can look into doing, which you might already be doing, but is really understanding your breathing cadence. So this is basically a fascinating biohack that really looks at running for running performance that involves nasal breathing cadence. So during your run, you synchronize your breathing with your footsteps, aiming for a rhythmic pattern. This practice optimizes oxygen delivery, enhances lung capacity, and maintains a balanced energy expenditure. So for instance, you can try inhaling for three steps and exhaling for two. And then you can experiment with different ratios to find what suits you best and gradually build up your endurance. So I think this is pretty fascinating. This is something that I have not done myself, but I think it makes sense. Like I think it makes sense if we're really looking to enhance our lung capacity while we're running. And I think you could do this at the gym. I think you could do this outdoors. I think that's fine. And I I really like the idea of experimenting with what works for you. So maybe you try inhaling for three, exhaling for two steps. Maybe you do three and three. Maybe you do two and two, anything like that, and see how that fuels your body and see how that fuels your run differently. Play around with it and do more research into that. It's called nasal breathing cadence. The other biohack that came to mind with this, which is kind of a new space, I would argue, And actually can be applicable for all types of workouts, including cycling, lifting weights, even yoga, like anything like that, is the idea of using mouth tape. So essentially mouth tape is like exactly what it sounds like. It's like a piece of tape that you put over your mouth. And there's there's brands now that have like made it more, (laughs) less like a piece of tape and more aesthetically pleasing, I guess. And the idea behind this is that it is so much healthier for us to be breathing through our nose. And a lot of people use mouth tape when they're sleeping so that they're not mouth breathers. So it helps with adequate oxygen while they're sleeping. It helps with their jawline because their mouth isn't hanging open. Helps with healthier oral microbiome because you're not like in and out, breathing throughout the night, putting all that air in there. If dry mouth is an issue, same thing. It can help with that. And sleep apnea, it also helps with. So, but you can also take it and apply it to working out. And it's kind of a similar idea, but essentially it is thought to kind of do this same thing as this nasal breathing cadence 
as optimizing oxygen delivery, enhancing lung capacity, that type of thing, and really just balancing your energy. So what you would do is you would wear this mouth tape the entire time that you are running and see how it feels. I have done a workout with mouth tape and it is hard, okay? Because obviously it's different. Like when you're sleeping, your heart rate is not raised. And so you are not sweating, you are not burning more calories or anything like that. And then when you're working out, you need more oxygen and your heart rate's higher and you have mouth tape on. And so you're breathing in and out of your nose so much faster. But again, the thought behind this is that it's actually for optimizing oxygen intake and lung capacity. So I would play around with this. I would start really, really small. I would do a really short run with mouth tape. If you're going to do this like kilometer or two, like really easy and see how it goes. I would also do more research into it. I would see what professional runners have said and other people in this space who know a lot more than I do. Other people use it for all types of workouts and again, like lifting weights, cycling, anything like that. So I really encourage you to explore this, see how it goes. Maybe I will bring on a mouth tape expert and they can give their two cents as well. If you're like me, you are thinking about your energy field, you're thinking about radiation, EMF, and 5G around you. And honestly, you're kind of worried about it as well. What if I told you you could just get a product, put it in your house, set it and forget it, and know that you're actually reducing the amount of EMF and radiation around you? That's where Lila Quantum Tech comes in. Their products actually neutralize EMF, even in electric cars. And this is so, so important because we are so bombarded with the amount of EMF and radiation in today's society. So their key product that I love is their Infinity Block. And it has actually been proven to increase ATP production, which is the energy in our cells, by 20 to 29%. So this really, really does matter. Leela Quantum Tech has over 59 studies and they actually also have another six in progress. They are randomized, placebo-controlled, and double-blind studies proving the great benefits of their products. I really suggest you get this infinity block. If you can get something that you can put in your house and say, hey, this is actually helping to neutralize how much EMF me and my family are exposed to, it just makes sense. Why would you not want some sort of safety measure like that that you can count on? They also have a heel capsule, which is like a little capsule that you can bring with you anywhere you go. And it does this same thing, obviously, to a smaller degree and smaller circumference around you. So I like to wear this when I go on planes because there's so much radiation on planes and EMF. And I like to wear it just in general when I travel. Their products have been proven to optimize HRV and improve your blood and obviously ATP production, like I said. So that's what I would do. I would really recommend looking into how you can manage your quantum energy field better because this is such a key aspect of optimizing your health. You can get a significant discount through the link on my website and also in the show notes, and that will help you be able to get this at a better price. So again, that's Leela Quantum Tech. I have the Infinity Block. It's in my bedroom. I actually sleep right beside it. 
And then I also have their heel capsule on a necklace that I take with me everywhere I go. And these are the two that I would recommend. I think this is a great starting pack for you and provides substantial coverage in order to neutralize the EMF that's around you and optimize your health. Okay, next question. Hey, Brittany, I love my furry friend. And I'm wondering if there are any biohacking tips to optimize my pet's health. Any any ideas for pet wellness? So I've had this question a few times and I do want to bring on an expert that is into biohacking, dog health, cat health, pet health in general, because I think this is a space that I haven't really explored and a lot of people are very interested in it. So I will circle back and I will you know, find somebody and bring them on and do that. But in the meantime, I can definitely talk a lot about this. I have a dog myself. His name is Moose. He is three. He's a golden retriever. And you've probably seen him on my social media account. Actually, he's in the logo of my podcast. So you've definitely seen him. And he is a joy. So I think there are a lot of things we can do. And one of the most important things that we can talk about is nutrition. So we really want to be focused on a nutrient-dense diet, obviously. like We want to do that for ourselves and we want to do that for our pets. So some people really like a nutrient-dense homemade pet food type of idea by preparing meals with fresh, high-quality ingredients, which helps you ensure that your pet receives a well-rounded array of nutrients. You could do something like this. Again, there's a ton of recipes online that you can follow, and they use a variety of meat and animals and a variety of vegetables and even fruit. Some have grains in them, seeds, nuts, depends depends on what you're looking at. And it's really about creating a diverse meal so that you're ensuring that your pet gets all of their nutrients. Now, I personally don't do homemade pet food. I think it's more, it's a bit of a labor of love and it's just not something I'm willing to do right now. So what we do is we feed moose raw food. And this is what I would recommend to basically everybody is a raw food diet if if they can tolerate it. So what we do is we go to a local pet store and we buy pucks basically and they're different animal proteins. So he'll do like turkey, beef, venison, rabbit, all sorts of things. And it's all different types all different parts of the animal ground up into this meat. So it'll it'll include like, you know, I f- like the joints and everything, like just ground up into this patty. And then what's also added into th- in there is a bunch of vegetables and nutrients as well. So, you know, it'll say on the box kind of what the breakdown is of what's in those things. But that is what we do for moose. And that's what I would recommend. I personally don't love kibble and am very, I'm not anti-kibble. I just think that I think there's healthier options. That's like at the end of, at the, end of the day, there's healthier options. There are some kibble brands out there that are like quote unquote raw and are, you know, dehydrated raw food. Now we've used these. These are these are really helpful when you're traveling because traveling with raw food is tough. 
you know, because we keep it all in the freezer, right? So you take out a puck for every meal. It has to thaw and you give it to them. So it's kind of hard to do that on the road. So we have used these. I will tell you that they are very expensive. So if you're actually getting the proper ones that are not just like, how do I say, like not sugar-coated, but are actually raw dehydrated food, it is very, very expensive for obvious reasons. Like think about it, like they're taking all of these different parts of these animals, they're making it into a kibble form, they, they're dehydrating it. And then you go and you add water to it. Like it's just the processing behind it is so much more versus you buying it and it's like ground up meat that has never, ever been heated, that has never been processed other than just like putting it into that patty with the added vegetables into it. So, you know, I've done both. I, yeah, we just stick to the raw food and that's what I would recommend. I think that is the smartest way to go about it. And if you can buy in bulk, it's actually quite affordable, which we try to do. So we just buy in bulk. And the one thing that you should be aware of if you are going to do raw food is that you want to be rotating proteins. This is actually accurate even for humans. We really don't want to be feeding the dog, your dog or cat, I guess, or whoever, the same protein every meal, like beef, breakfast, dinner, beef, breakfast, dinner, every single day. Because when you actually look at beef and look at the protein, the structure of amino acids in it is going to change depending on the animal. And not even the amino acids, it's just the other nutrients in there as well. So the vitamin levels, the mineral levels, the enzymes, everything that makes that a whole food, a whole animal is going to be different. And we want to give a well-rounded, diverse diet to your pet because this is what is going to make them healthy and keep them healthy. So for us, we will alternate the boxes that we buy. Every box comes with different types of proteins. So like three different types. So I think it's the one we have right now, I think is beef, turkey, and maybe salmon or one other one. And then the next time we go to buy, we will buy a different box that's like rabbit, venison, whatever else it might be. So that he is really just like getting as much nutrients as possible that's supporting his system. He doesn't eat chicken. He is, he's kind of like a, he's not allergic to chicken, but he's like sensitive to chicken. So we stay far away from anything chicken. And there's a lot of dogs who are actually sensitive to chicken. So that's why if you ever look at kibble or just chicken in general, it's always cheaper is because there's a lot of dogs who are sensitive to it. And that's why not a lot of people buy it. Okay. So that's kind of the food component. I also want to add to this is like, we don't actually just give him those pucks of raw meat. We also add raw eggs and coconut oil. I think sometimes, sometimes we add veggies from the fridge. Like if like this carrot's going bad or something like that, like we'll clean them, chop them up, you know, or broccoli or, or anything like that. Like sometimes an apple, like it's a, it's very much food that I would eat myself. But most of the time we add one egg, raw egg, and a tablespoon of coconut oil. So the tablespoon of coconut oil is filled with healthy fat, which is great for his joints, his skin, and his fur, and his coat. Also great for brain health, great for his hormones, everything like that. And kind of same with the egg. It actually has very similar benefits 
but also eggs in general are just very, very nutrient dense. They have a ton of great vitamins and minerals in there. And so we give him a lot of raw eggs and he loves eggs. So it kind of just helps with, you know, overall vitality. There are some supplements that you can give your dog. We were doing omega-3 for a while. So fish oil for omega-3 fatty acids can be great. Same benefits there would be like glossy coat, improved joint health, overall vitality. And you can get those from Amazon. You can get it from your pet, like your vet, that type of thing. We were doing that for a while. I would, I would do it again. I would do the omegas again, I think. And I think that's about it that we have given him supplement wise. I mean, there are some like detoxing ones. Some people give their dogs and like pets peptides. I haven't done peptides. I think there's, you can do like a probiotic, which can be really great. And yeah, that's basically it. What we did do and what we will do actually starting soon, I need to make a note of this, is that we were preventing ticks this past summer through using neem. So neem is a plant. And basically what it does is when it's in the system of an animal, if there is a tick that tries to attach onto the coat or onto the skin, the neem, I guess, in the bloodstream makes it very undesirable for the tick and the tick won't attach. So it's a very proactive preventative measure. And that's what we did all summer last year because Moose got a tick and I freaked out and I was like, oh my gosh, because obviously ticks carry Lyme disease. So we had to be very conscious of that. And then I looked into, okay, what can we do? I didn't want to put him on medication. And then I looked into, into neem. And I will actually link it in the show notes for you. Is we bought this neem that we used a, I think it was like a tablespoon for every meal. And we added it to his bowl and it's like a green powder. And he just had that all summer, breakfast and dinner, breakfast and dinner. And there were no other ticks. There were no other issues whatsoever. And I would really, really recommend that for you as a way to prevent ticks. And depending on where you live, I would start earlier. So this year, we will definitely be starting earlier. I'll probably start in April, probably. Probably do April to September type of vibe, maybe October. I don't think you have to use it all year. But again, it depends where you live, depends what your pet is exposed to. But that is such an easy way. And it's so cheap. Like, so it's not an expensive medication or anything like that. There's no adverse side effects. You can't overdose on neem. It's literally a plant. Humans use it as well. You can get neem tea, all sorts of things. So that is one biohack that I would definitely recommend. And that is one that I learned very recently. The last thing I will say about pet health is that you want to get a really great vet. This can be really hard. I am lucky I live in a place that is very health conscious, but we have a holistic vet. So every time we take him for a checkup, every time there's been an issue, it's kind of this discussion of like, okay, these are your options. This is the natural way you can go. This is the other medicated way you can go. This is what we recommend 
preventative wise. Like it's always a very big discussion of things rather than like, hey, here is this prescription. See you later. You have to take this. And everything is presented as a choice. Nothing feels like super forced or judgmental or anything like that. They very much support raw food. We've had no issues whatsoever with that with our vet and the and the clinic. So I yeah, I love that. So I would really look into a holistic vet. They are becoming more and more common. And I would argue that it's worth it to drive if you have to drive an hour to that vet. You know, where he's Moose is at the age now where he's three. He does one checkup a year. And if there's anything other, any other emergencies, then he goes. Like, so it's maybe one or two visits a year right now. It's not very long, not very many. So we, yeah, we just stick to the vet that we have. Okay, next question. This person says, hi, I'll skip that part. I'm interested in detoxing heavy metals from my body. Are there any unconventional methods or biohacks for chelation that you've found effective? Okay. I had someone else ask about this as well. I will say that I recently did a detoxing episode. Oh my gosh, must have been last week that it came out. It was really, it's been really soon. So first and foremost, go listen to that episode. That's a great, great place to start. We talk about detoxing. We talk about liver flushes. And I learned a lot in that episode. So go listen to that and download it, save it, listen for another time. And then I definitely want to get further into this today just to like provide some context for everyone listening. Okay. Detoxing is obviously a complex process and detoxing, detoxifying heavy metals, same thing. Heavy metal toxicity can be really serious. And so it's important to do your research and like consult with a healthcare professional before doing anything. Obviously that goes without saying. Now, there are some things that you can do that can really support the natural detoxification method. But I do want to, before we get into that, I do want to talk about chelation therapy. So for those of you who might not know, chelation therapy is a medical treatment that involves the administration of chelating agents to remove heavy metals or minerals from the body. Chelating or chelating, I think it's chelating, agents are substances that bind to metal ions, forming complex molecules that can be excreted from the body. This therapy is primarily used for the treatment of heavy metal poisoning, such as lead, mercury, arsenic, and iron toxicity. You will always do this with a trained healthcare professional. So there are a bunch of different agents, which I don't necessarily want to go into, and it's usually done through IVs and so that it kind of circulates in the bloodstream and it binds to heavy metals and binds to the metal ions. There are a bunch of things that kind of go with this. So my suggestion for this is work with a professional. Like I said, I think that's the most important part here. If you're looking into doing something that significant, I have never done chelation therapy. I cannot speak to it. I I would look into doing it. Like if I was, if I got tested and it said, Hey, you have really high arsenic or, you know, iron or anything like that. I would definitely look into this, especially if it was like lead, which is very common. Unfortunately, I would definitely look into that. But there are a lot of things that we can do to kind of help the body detoxify on our own 
without a healthcare professional and also in a preventative, proactive approach. So first and foremost, this kind of, this stuff might seem like, you know, a little basic, but it does make a difference. So hydration, you want to be drinking tons of clean and filtered water to help flush out those toxins from the body. Adequate hydration supports overall health and can assist in the elimination of waste products. When I talk hydration, I don't mess around. I'm talking like a gallon a day. I'm talking your water should be filtered, mineralized, structured. I've talked about that on the podcast before. And I really just recommend you take your hydration seriously. And you can kind of tell if you are not getting enough water through a few different ways. So a couple of ways is like if your energy is low, if you're getting headaches, if you are having irregular bowel movements, if you're constipated frequently, that can be a sign that you are not getting enough water. I think if you are somebody who is drinking a gallon of water a day, I think it would be very difficult to be constipated because that is just seriously helping assist in the elimination of waste products. And we eliminate waste products through obviously different ways, but urine and bowel movements is a massive way that we do that. So hydration is super key. Then we can kind of get into sauna therapy and heat therapy in general. Some studies suggest that sauna therapy may help eliminate certain heavy metals through sweating. However, you have to be cautious with this and make sure you are drinking enough water during these sauna sessions. So sweating is a fantastic way to detoxify and cleanse. It is another way that our body does this. You know, I, I talked just talked about a couple of other ones. And so we really want to be activating that often. You know, whether it's a workout, whether it's a run, whether it's a sauna session. I would personally look at doing, if you have access to a sauna, wonderful, absolutely wonderful, and really, really use it to your advantage. If you're worried about heavy metals, sauna arguably should be in like your top biohacks that you're doing right now. I would do it four or five times a week. And depending on what your heat tolerance is, like, I don't know. I, I take my sauna therapy and my heat therapy pretty seriously. Like I would probably do 45 minutes to an hour with breaks in between that. So when I was doing my best at the heat therapy and like saunas and had access to one, I would do 20 minutes in the sauna, come out, cold shower, relax, let the heart rate come down. 20 minutes, same thing. 20 minutes, same thing. So I would do it three times. If that's too much for you, start at 10 minutes. Do 10 minutes cold, 10 minutes cold, 10 minutes cold, and make sure you are drinking enough water. A very good rule of thumb in general, even if you weren't concerned about heavy metals or detoxing, is that for every hour of exercise or sweat that, sweating that you do, you need to drink an additional one liter of water. So say you calculate your hydration levels and you're like, okay, based on my BMI, how tall I am, my weight, my activity levels every single day, I need to be drinking, I don't know, like three liters of water. Sure. And then you go and do a sauna session. That means that you need to add another liter of water to your day. That's four liters. That's, you know, that's basically, that's just over a gallon. 
a gallon is 3.8 liters. So I really can't understate how much hydration is important for this. Because if you think about it, like think about what you're doing to the body while you're sitting in the sauna, you are increasing your heart rate, you are increasing your circulation and your blood flow, you are sweating. When you're sweating, you are dehydrating your body because that's all little water molecules. I mean, there's way more in there than just water that are coming onto your skin and coming out of you. And you need to replenish the water in your body. Okay. So please, please be very careful. Plus, if you're more hydrated, your tolerance for heat is much better. You're going to avoid feelings of dizziness, lightheadedness, headaches, tired, fatigue, anything that can kind of come from that. So heat therapy plus hydration. And then what you can also do, which I did, I think I was doing this last summer, was you can add in a chelating natural ingredient while you do that. So a supplement. So a lot of people do charcoal. So they will go, they will, I mean, you can do it. I have to check the recommendation. It might be before I think you have to take the charcoal probably 15 minutes. Yeah, it's probably 15 minutes, maybe 30 minutes before you step into the sauna. And then you you go into the sauna, you do your hour, you know, you have your breaks, you have your water. And what that does is the charcoal kind of soaks up those toxins and can help with heavy metals. This is a very natural way to kind of soak up any heavy metals or toxins. This is not arguably like it's not, it's technically not chelation therapy, but it's kind of just like more of a natural, more gentle way to do it. The only thing you need to be careful about with charcoal is that you cannot take it anywhere close to other supplements. So if you're taking a multi, if you're taking a, I don't know, whatever you're taking right now, make sure that those are taken hours beforehand and hours after because the charcoal will bind to it and excrete it out the body. And then there was actually no point in you taking that. And it was a complete waste. So you have to kind of be very mindful about charcoal. And that's why I think I stopped using it. It was because I just had to plan out everything (laughs) way more. So I just stopped. But again, if I was somebody who found out I had heavy metals, I would be very serious about it. And I would you know, time my supplements every day. And I would just have it written on a sheet on the fridge and just know when I'm doing everything. So that's what I would do. Yeah, I think that's a very powerful practice. There are other supplements that that you can add for detoxing. So you can do NAC, which is N-acetylcysteine. You can do alpha-lipoic acid, ALA. You can do glutathione. And there's like IVs that you can do for glutathione. I take NAC every single day. I take one supplement of NAC. I take, I think it's 900 milligrams. I think. Does that sound right? Hmm. I should know this. But I have been taking NAC every single day for the last, I don't know, few years, couple years. I think it's amazing for these things that we're talking about. Detoxification, for cleansing the body. There's also a lot of other benefits from taking NAC that have nothing to do with this, especially for women's health. NAC is a very, very great supplement for women with PCOS. It's great for irregular menstrual cycles. It's balancing hormones. It's also actually really great for women who deal with any type of vaginal dryness. So if you're somebody who 
maybe you're going through that period in life right now, or even menopause, things like that, where there's like hormonal changes that maybe things aren't as lubricated down there as that like they once were or how you would prefer. NAC is actually really, really great for that. It is also great for pregnancy. So people start taking it third trimester to help with lubrication down there, which can help with birth and just making sure that the fluids in the body, let's say, are moving. Another, I recently heard someone say on a podcast in line with that is that NAC is actually really great when you're sick. Like say you have a cold or an infection. Obviously, from the detoxic- detoxification standpoint, it's fantastic. And, you know, helping to really support the body when it's kind of feeling run down, but it can really help with phlegm. So kind of the same idea of, you know, vaginal dryness and like lubricating that area. If there's a lot of phlegm in your throat or your nose or your ears, it kind of helps to thin it out and get it moving more in the body and out of your body more, which is what you would want when you're sick. So that is also why NAC is great. And (laughs) I also, my last point on NAC is like, if I have not convinced you to be on this supplement, you should 100% be on it, is that I used to take this, when I used to drink way more alcohol than I do now and party more, I would take NAC when I would come home or when I would be done drinking, I would take, I think, two at night. And it was always my like post-party, post-alcohol supplement because it's so good at binding and getting rid of crap in the body. So it got like helped to detoxify the alcohol in my system. And it made a big difference. Like I was definitely less hungover. My energy was better the next day. And I even started taking it while I was drinking. So I would take it like throughout the night and that type of thing. Now, if I ever drink, like say if I go to a wedding or something, 100% I would bring it with. 100%. It's like, it's just powerful. So I will link the one that I use. I don't use anything special. I don't work with any type of brand. Mine's literally from Amazon. NAC is one of those supplements that is very accessible. Although I think it did get low-key banned in the US. I don't know if that's still true. I remember that last year coming out. I don't think that's still true. I think you can get it, but I think it might be harder to get. I'm not sure. I'm in Canada, so it's not as not as applicable here. But that is what I hope helps with your heavy metals situation. The other thing that I found when I was kind of going through what you could do is this idea of a detox smoothie. And it is called the cilantro and chlorella detox smoothie. So chlorella kind of works very similar in the body as charcoal. It will soak up toxins. It will kind of help eliminate them. So cilantro has shown potential in mobilizing heavy metals, while chlorella acts as a binding agent to facilitate their removal. So what you would do is you would blend fresh cilantro, chlorella powder, and other detoxifying ingredients like lemon and spirulina for a potent smoothie. You could try something like that as well. I would look online like recipes about that and like see what other people have said. Maybe on Reddit, there's like info on that. And I would just kind of, yeah, I would go from there. I haven't tried that, but it makes sense. It definitely, definitely makes sense. Okay. Next question. 
So this person writes that they've been struggling. I've been struggling with my blood sugar and insulin levels with managing them. Are there any tips that I can do for lowering my blood sugar and maintaining it? Absolutely. So I, yeah, I've had my blood sugar levels tested a ton. This is one of those biomarkers that I really care about. And it could be fasting glucose as the biomarker. It could also be HbA1c. And I feel like I talk about HbA1c a lot. So HbA1c is in a percentage form. It is the average amount of blood sugar, the average amount of sugar that has saturated your hemoglobin cells in the last 90 days. So I like HbA1c with clients because I think it's a fantastic snapshot of how you've been living in the last 90 days. Whereas fasting glucose is really interesting and I think that's helping, that's helpful as well. But you're also kind of just looking at one day. Whereas like HbA1c is like, okay, this is how you've been living for the last 90 days. Okay, let's retest you in another 90 days and what can we do between now and then? So there's a lot you can do about blood sugar. I could talk about this for a whole podcast. I care a lot about this. Why do I care a lot about it? That's a really good question. I think that when I was studying nutrition, when I've been self-teaching my self-teaching, teaching myself about biohacking, you just kind of realize how blood sugar and your hormones surrounding it really are can really lead to other issues if they are not optimized. So if you're having other hormonal concerns and imbalances, you know, say with your sex hormones, whether you're male or female, you really do actually want to start with looking at your blood sugar levels, looking at your fasting glucose, looking at your HbA1c and your insulin. Because a lot of the time, irregularities in those can actually trigger irregularities in your sex hormones. So I just think there's a cascade that happens there that a lot of people might overlook. And I think it's really important. I also think that in today's society, it is very easy to have crappy blood sugar. Like it's very, very easy because we move less. We eat worse food. Our food is worse quality. We're not sleeping. We're on technology way too much. Like everything about, you know, Western society at this point, not everything, but a lot of things is really not about optimizing your health. And it's not about optimizing your blood sugar balance. So I think it's a very, very important thing to focus on. And I think there's a lot you can do. So here's where I would start. If you have been tested and your biomarkers come back, the ones that I've mentioned that aren't great. That's a great place though to start because now you have the data and the information. If you're somebody who thinks they might have, you know, misbalanced or or low or high blood sugar or you're unsure, I would get tested. Get tested. This is one of those things that you can't mess around You can't just go off of intuition. Please go get tested. You can get tested through your doctor so that it's paid for by your health insurance. You can get tested privately through someone like Inside Tracker. 
who I've been tested with a bunch of times. I've also been tested with my doctor. So there's a bunch of ways that you can go about doing this. Please get your numbers so that you know what you're working with. Okay. If we're going to talk about HbA1c, which is hemoglobin A1c, you really want your percentage to be under 5.6%. Now, that's a little generous if we're talking biohacker terms here. That's what you'll find online is what they will say. They, they will say, you know, all the like health blogs and whatever websites, health websites, WebMD and stuff, they will say 5.6%. I think 5.6% is a little high. Personally, I would not be happy with 5.6%. I would like it to be lower. So I actually just recently got mine tested and it was 4.9%. And that is the lowest it's ever been. I've had it at 4.9% before. And the highest I've ever had is 5.2%. I really, really encourage you to be a little more aggressive with this one, with this metric. And I would try to get it as low as possible. And honestly, there's so many people that talk about this online. Go look at them. Go look at their blood work. Do it. Like, Get familiar with your numbers. So I think anything over 5.7% is... I think the ranges are like 5.7 to... I'd have to check. But 5.7% is when you are in the pre-diabetic range. And then I think it's 6.5% is diabetic range. So I think those are the numbers. So just really, really keep that in mind. The good news is, is that you can always lower this metric. Always, always. Don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise. Even if you are diagnosed with diabetes, You can still do a lot about this. This is a lifestyle metric. This reflects how you live 100%, 100%. And I really just encourage you to take ownership and responsibility for your health so that you can optimize this and be healthier for you and for the loved ones around you. I would just aim for as low as possible. I would get tested every three months and just be on it. Okay. Now that I've like gone over the numbers, what can you actually do? So a couple of key things that we want to start with when we talk about blood sugar is we want to look at your nutrition. Now, I'm not going to say, you know, be paleo, be vegan, you know, do all these things. I would simply just look at trying to stick to a whole foods diet and staying away from processed food. So the least or the little, sorry, my English, the less amount of food that you get in a box or a package, the better. We want less cookies, crackers, cereal. I don't even know. Croissants, bagels, frozen pizzas, frozen flatbreads, frozen burritos. I don't know, whatever it is. Less of all of that. Things that are packaged, reduce it. Replace it with vegetables, fruit, meat, dairy if you can tolerate it, and nuts, seeds, and make your own food. When you make your own food, it will always be healthier than what you can buy. Always. Because even if you go out and you buy a bowl or a salad, like what are the quality of the vegetables? Has it been washed accurately? 
What type of oils are they using when they roast the chicken? You know, like there's so many other components to it. While there are healthier places that you can go out and eat, majority of the time it's going to be healthier for you to eat at home and make your own food. So please start making your own food. Find flavors that you love. Try different spices. Try different meals. Try try different ways of doing it. You know, like find what works for you. For me personally, I kind of eat a lot of the same thing day in and day out. And I love to do very basic meals, to be honest, like very basic meals. Like, so for tonight, we're doing, we're doing lettuce boats with, so I'll tell you what it is. So it's, and this is one of my favorite meals right now. So it's a lettuce boat, which the lettuce is iceberg lettuce organic. And then we're doing ground beef in it. And the beef is grass-fed. We buy frozen and we thaw it. And the beef will be cooked with like spices that are made to go with beef. And then I do, what do I do? I grate a goat cheese on top of it. I add green onion and I add, what else do I add? I'm trying to think of all the things. This ends up being a lot on there. Oh, guacamole. And I make my own guacamole with avocados. So I use avocados, a herbal spice blend to go with that, and then lemon juice. So I make my own guac and it sits in the fridge until we're ready to eat. And then I will add goat yogurt instead of sour cream. I think that's what's everything that's in it. It might be something I'm missing, but that's kind of what it is. So if you look at that meal, it's not very processed at all. Like arguably the only processed things are like the cheese and the goat yogurt. So really try to eat as much whole foods and natural foods as possible because this is really going to help your blood sugar levels. It's not going to spike the sugar, you know, level as much. You're not going to feel as quick rush, quick energy rush from it and then crash within an hour. And yeah, that's just so important. The other thing you can do with, we're just talking about meals in general is you can balance that meal with adequate protein and fat. So if you take the meal that I just described, the protein comes from the beef, the goat cheese, and the goat yogurt. The fat also actually comes from the beef because I don't buy lean ground beef. I buy like regular because I think animal fat is good for you. And there is obviously healthy fat in the cheese and the yogurt. And then there's also a ton of healthy fat in the avocado that goes in the guacamole. Now, I might do a side of, you know, sweet potato or yam fries to go with it, roast them, put some spices on there as well, just to get a complex carb in there. And sweet potato fries are also very nutrient dense. There's like a lot of nice vitamin A in there as well. But I make my own. So I don't buy the frozen sweet potato fries that, you know, I actually looked at them the other day. You flip over the package and it's like yam fries. I'm like, oh, this is going to be so easy. I just like pop them in the oven. So I flip over the package and I'm reading the ingredients and it's like 20 different ingredients for yam fry. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This should only be yam. Like it's, and it's all sorts of things. It's like different sugars and wheat and like, all the preservatives. And I'm so I just put it back. I was like, don't even like, no. So I make my own yam fries so easy. Like, you know, sweet potato fries, cut up a potato, put spices on it. 
avocado oil in the oven at 400 degrees, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, there you go. And then I broil them after actually at 500 degrees for two to three minutes because it makes them crispy and I really like them crispy. So balance your meals with fat and protein. If my husband makes dinner sometimes or meals and it's so carb heavy, I literally will look at him and I'll be like, no, we're not eating this. (laughs) This needs to be more balanced. So that is a fantastic place to start. The next thing you can do is you can exercise after you eat. So ideally, you're exercising every single day for ideally an hour. I think exercise recommendations generally are too low for people. Sometimes you'll read, it'll be like 30 minutes, four times a week. And it's like insane to think that. It's insane to think that that is the recommendation because Unless you're somebody who has a very active job and you're on your feet and you're moving all day, fine. Absolutely. But if you are somebody who is sitting at a desk, if you're working from home or you're working from an office or you're driving all day or you're a student, you are sitting the majority of your day. So that is not enough movement for your body. And that is not enough movement for healthy blood sugar levels. Absolutely not. I don't buy it. I do not buy it. I encourage every single person to be moving their body for an hour a day. If you are somebody who sits a lot, uh, like myself, like I have to be very, very conscious of how much I move every day because I work online. And so I, I just try my best to, to do different things throughout the day. So I would incorporate that and it can be very, it can be very simple. Like it could be walking your dog. It could be yoga. It could be stretching. Peloton, go to a class, boxing, play a sport. Sports are fantastic. Play volleyball. I don't care. Play whatever you want. Those are the types of things that you really want to be looking at is like how active are you throughout the week? Then on top of that, if your blood sugar is really not great, you really want to be thinking about moving your body after any big meal. So there's a lot of data behind this. You can lower your blood sugar levels. If you move and exercise and go for a walk 30 minutes after you eat and you can tell this, like I've been able to do this. Like if say, if you sit down and have ice cream and then you like feel the energy rush and you're excited and you're like, Oh yeah, I just had ice cream. This is great. And then you crash within like 30, 45 minutes and you're like tired and you're foggy and you're irritable compared to Say you walk to the ice cream store, you buy the ice cream, you eat the ice cream, and then you walk home. And the walk home is 30 minutes. Now you have lowered your blood sugar level. And which means that the curve of it from that, from that peak is actually lowered and longer. So the energy lasts longer, but it's not as intense. So maybe you're energized now from that for two hours and you're not as hyper but it's longer and then it curves off. So it's much healthier. So I always encourage people to move their bodies after big meals. That's why I love when I see people doing like Thanksgiving dinners and then, or like lunch, and then they go for like a walk after. Seems to be like a Canadian thing, but you know, an autumn walk type of thing. I think that's smart because you just ate that massive Thanksgiving meal And now you need to help the digestion and also it's just great for your blood sugar. So please 
try to incorporate some exercise. Doesn't have to be long. Like even a walk around the block is going to do more for you than just sitting there. Or you could just get up and do all the dishes and clean. (laughs) Clean your house because cleaning housework is a workout. For sure it is. You know how I know it is? Is because my aura ring always detects when I'm cleaning. At the end of the day, when I look at my aura ring scores, because you have to like classify your workouts, it'll say like housework 220 to 235. And it'll be like, and I was like, yep, I was vacuuming during that time. Yeah, yeah, you're correct. Right. So it always, always detects it. And so that's because your heart rate is higher. So I would count that as well. So to review so far, you can add fat and protein to your meals, balance your meals, eat whole foods, stay away from processed foods, and exercise more throughout the week. And then also try to add little bouts of exercise after large meals, I think will make a big difference. The last thing that I want to add to this is that you can do, you can use some, some ingredients. The last thing I want to add to this is that you can add a couple of ingredients into your daily routine that can help with healthy blood sugar levels. So a big one is cinnamon. And cinnamon, there are, there are actually a bunch of studies behind cinnamon. So studies suggest that cinnamon may enhance insulin sensitivity. And then there's also apple cider vinegar, while apple cider vinegar could help lower blood sugar levels. So how this would work is like you could add a dash of cinnamon to your morning coffee, or you could incorporate apple cider vinegar in salad dressings. I mean, people do shots of apple cider vinegar before they eat a meal or after or in the morning when they wake up. I have never done any of that. There's also digestive benefits from it. Again, I have not done any of that. You could look into that. There's a bunch of people who talk about that online. Cinnamon, I think, is really, really smart. So my husband actually always adds cinnamon to his coffee. He just loves it. And there's a bunch of easy ways to do this. So you can actually add it right to the coffee machine. So depending on the type of coffee machine you have, you can just take the cinnamon and pour it right where the beans are or the ground beans, and then it just brews the cinnamon right into the coffee. What he does as well is like anytime we go to somewhere like Starbucks or a cafe, he will get an Americano and add cinnamon on top. And arguably like most cafes have cinnamon. So that one's kind of easy. So I would look into that. I think those are a couple of ingredients that can kind of help maintain your blood sugar as well. But I will say that adding cinnamon to your coffee is not going to lower your blood sugar unless you do everything else. It will help, but it's not going to take you from a 5.6 percentage to a 5.0 for your HbA1c. Like it's just simply not going to do that. <clears throat> it is not, it is a it's not a quick fix, right? Like blood sugar levels are not a quick fix. It is a reflection of your lifestyle and your diet. So you really need to optimize those and then you can add in ingredients on top of that. You can also do apple cider vinegar supplements or cinnamon supplements. Actually, I don't know if I've ever seen a cinnamon supplement on its own. It's usually got other herbs in there and plants in there as well. But that could be something that you could also look into. Okay, last question. Hi, Brittany. I love your podcast and I'm super excited about your 
preconception and fertility course coming out soon. I can't wait to get it. I am very much interested in this area. This is kind of where I am in my life right now. But my husband is not necessarily interested in doing a cleanse or being on board with this. What are your recommendations? How can I help him become healthier before we get pregnant? Okay. This is a beautiful question and it's something that I think a lot of us can relate to, whether it is with the goal of getting pregnant or not. I think when we're biohackers, there is a high chance that anybody that we're with, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, whatever, there's a very high chance that they might not be as dedicated or into it or intense or motivated as we are. I have personally experienced this and I have tried and failed many times with this one, not just with my partner, but with my family members as well. And I've learned a lot. So I will give general advice and then we can talk about more preconception. So what I have learned is that even though you might be super passionate about optimal health and wellness, you are likely at a different point in your journey than the other person is. And so it can be hard for them to relate to you and understand the importance and the severity and the magnitude of what you're talking about. So instead of saying, oh, you shouldn't eat that, or did you go to the gym today? Or I've noticed that you've gained weight, I don't know, like, or whatever thing that you're saying, or I can't believe you're eating that, you know, or though, like, have you taken any supplements today? What supplements are you taking? Whatever, like the, whatever the comment is that you might want to want to say, because you care a lot, a lot of the time it actually kind of backfires. So what I have learned is rather than saying something, I typically don't say anything at all. So I have definitely moved away from a place of unsolicited advice after I saw how unsuccessful it could be and how much it can backfire. I don't find it helpful for me or the person to be giving that advice anymore. And so I simply don't. And what I have found to be the most impactful and the most successful is to be an example through my actions. When you do this over time, the people around you who you love and who you care about will ask you questions. They will ask you naturally. Because say you are somebody who's just starting your health journey and now you're getting into biohacking and now you are going to a sauna and like your skin is looking better or maybe you've lost weight or maybe you're happier. Like maybe you're like, it's just a mental health thing and you're showing up better. They're going to say like, oh my gosh, like, wow, you look great. Or you seem so happy and confident. Like what's going on? Or how do I feel like that as well? Oh, you're going to the sauna? What What's that like? Are there other people there? Like, is that awkward? You know, like people are inquisitive and they're curious. So really be the example that you want for them. And you will see people notice and really, really want to mimic you and get the same results as you. I have seen this with my family members, with my own parents, 
with my brothers, with my husband. You need to be the person who they can look to and come to, and it's a safe space for them to ask you questions about it. So I don't preach at all anymore. I mean, I kind of preach on this podcast, sure, but like I don't preach to people who don't want to hear it. Like I don't give that advice. And the amount of times that people come to me and ask me questions, I made a meme about this the other day. It's like the most satisfying thing ever because you've been on your health journey likely for years and everyone judges you in the beginning. Everybody, holy smokes. When I started being healthy, like, oh my gosh, I don't even know, 12 years ago, let's say. How old am I? 12, yeah, it's probably right. 12 years ago, the amount of judgment. Oh my, it was so funny back then. And it was the stupidest things. I remember buying almond milk back then and people were like, oh, you're drinking almond milk? Why? And then I would like not buy anything at Starbucks or all these different cafes because no one had alternative milk at the time. And people thought it was so weird and I just kind of stuck to it and I wouldn't eat processed food and I wouldn't eat, you know, like I would buy organic wine when I was drinking, like all of these decisions and people would be so like stick up their nose at me and judge me so much. Friends, family members, people I was dating, everybody. And then you just kind of stick to it. And then slowly over time, it's so funny because people will start to notice. And then now it's, you know, I think I noticed it a few years ago when I was going home to my mom's and she was like, oh, you're coming next week. So I did a grocery shop and I got your almond milk for you and I made cookies and there's no gluten in them. And she's like so proud and excited to explain to me these healthy things that she did because she knew I was coming and she wants to share in that passion with me compared to, oh, I have to buy this extra milk for you. Wow. Like the judgment that was there in the beginning. So I really want to encourage you for anybody in your life who you want them to be healthier, you need to be that light that's shining for them and they will be attracted to you. You just need to give it time. You have to stick through it. You have to stick to it. You do not want to be that person who is like judgmental of them being unhealthy or criticizing them because they are simply not on the same journey as you. They are not at the same point as you. Now, that being said, there are other things you can do other than being an example. You can go about it in a very low-key, passive way. So I have done this and sometimes it's successful, sometimes it's not. So for example, I potentially could listen to a podcast episode about, I don't know, like postmenopausal women who are optimizing their health through fasting. And then I think, okay, that's my mom. My mom is postmenopausal. She had a hysterectomy and she has her ovaries left and her hormones aren't great. She's going through a very stressful time right now and she wants to lose weight. And I could definitely tell her for an hour what to do. But instead, you know, I listen to this podcast. I'm like, wow, this is a great podcast episode. I just send it to her and I say, hey, I know this is kind of like where you are in life right now. Maybe you might find this helpful. Let me know if you have any questions. Let me know what you think. And that's it. Like, but you have to just be very careful with how you word it. And you don't want to say, you don't want to criticize or judge or anything like that. So it has to be very like gentle 
But something like that can be very helpful. The other thing that I've done as well is like I will, I just did this with my mom speaking of, is like I said, like she's postmenopausal, going through a hard time, hormones are all over the place, that type of thing. And I said to her, I have like bioidentical hormones that I've used that I can recommend to clients. You can use the affiliate link on my website if you want. And I said, you know, you could be a candidate for someone to take progesterone cream at night. And I, I went about it explaining it like, how did it go? I'm trying to think about it. So I went about it as saying like, okay, I know you're going through this hard time. So yes, you can read these self-help books. And yes, you can go to therapy, but likely your hormones are imbalanced. So maybe we should get your hormones tested. You can get tested through Dutch testing. I'll send you the link. This is what I do with my clients. And then I said the same type of thing when it came to the bioidentical hormones. I said, sometimes I use this and it makes me sleep better and helps with my stress levels. My husband, Ryan, has also used this. I've also recommended this to clients. Maybe this is something you should look into. Here's the website. And then I just say like bioidentical hormones are really great, especially postmenopausal because you actually aren't able to make the same amount of hormones you were before menopause. That means that you know, you are at more risk for things like stress, anxiety, depression, those types of things, because you have less of a hormonal balance going on, especially during a stressful time. So the way that I worded it was like, hey, I've done this for other people and I've seen success. I've done this for myself. I've seen success. Maybe you should try this. It could help. Here you go. Let me know what you think. Again, very nonchalant, very chill. And then she ended up ordering it. She ordered the progesterone cream. She now puts it on her neck. Every single night she goes to sleep. She sleeps throughout the night. Her stress levels are significantly lower, even though she's going through a lot in her life right now. And she has thanked me for that recommendation because she said she has never heard of bioidentical hormones before and it's never something she would have thought of. So there's a fine line of like, being an example, but then sometimes you can provide guidance, but just do it through a very gentle way. And obviously there's so much else I could have recommended to her, but we just kind of left it at the hormones. And now, I don't know, I'm sure when I see her again, we'll talk about something else and maybe she'll want to try something new. And that is totally fine. Now, when we're talking about pregnancy, obviously this is a little bit of a different situation. It's a different situation because there is a very specific outcome you are both trying to achieve, which is successfully getting pregnant, staying pregnant, having a healthy baby, healthy birth. So it's a little different. If I had a partner who wasn't as on board, I would start, and this is actually going to be part of my course. There will be a section on like how to talk to your partner about it because of this very question. And I think this could be a common issue for people. I would start with a discussion on your goals as a couple and your motivation and your why. Do you want to have the highest success rates, the highest fertility success rates? Do you want to have the best possible pregnancy you can and set yourself up for success? And I I'm assuming that your partner would say yes, right? So I think what you should do is take it from an approach of, we both want this thing. 
This is our why. This is our motivation. If we look at the research, you as a male, because you said husband, you know, obviously takes a male and a female, you as the male, actually, there's a lot we can do because you produce sperm every 90 days. We actually have a lot we can tweak so that that sperm is actually really healthy 90 days from now that we use to try to get pregnant. So let's take a look at this course, you know, if you're going through my course, and let's understand, okay, like your diet really does impact sperm quality. Look at this research. Your supplements really impact your sperm count and your sperm motility, mobility, all these different things. You can look at the research and understand like, oh, wow, there's actually a lot behind this. And this is why we need to do this. So that's really what I would have the discussion on. The first discussion would be why, what are the motivate, what are the motivations? And I would potentially have to, you know, maybe you have to have the conversation a few times. I think that's fine, but I think that's really where, I think that's really where you should start. If they're still not on board, again, my next step would be to lead as an example. So even if your husband says, no, I'm not willing to go 90 days without cannabis or vaping or alcohol, I'm, you know, you, you go for it. You cleansing and doing my baby steps detox is going to be so much healthier for you, even with him doing nothing than if you were not to do it. So I 100% encourage you, please still do it because it's very, very potent and very, very important to optimize your body. I mean, you are the one who will be carrying the baby. So there's a lot that you need to focus on and need to do to optimize these these times in your life. And there's a chance that when he kind of sees what you're doing, he hops on board. And I would argue that that would probably happen in most cases. It might take a few weeks. It might take a month. But once he sees you sweating every day for an hour, skipping processed food, taking your prenatals and all the other supplements, you know, avoiding all of these substances that we're talking about, going in the sauna, detoxing, doing these things, like he's going to notice a change. And you could just say, reiterate over and over again, every time it comes up, say, yeah, I really want to be as healthy as I can for this baby. And I think through your actions and reiterating the motivation, I think he would come on board. I would hope so. I would really hope so. It would really surprise me if 